Welcome back to the 5 o'clock playbook. This is a special edition. We're going to recap the Thursday night football game between the Commanders and the Bears, in which the Bears took a healthy victory of 40-20 to 20 in a game where the Commanders were heavily favored. To start off with, there's some key points we want to talk about. And I'm going to start with talking about the offensive line that the Bears were able to uh, hold strong for the entire game versus the Commanders' extremely, extremely uh, good defensive line consisting of Montez Sweat, Chase Young, and a bunch of other guys where they were known for having... De'Aaron Payne Jones as well. What? De'Aaron Payne Jones. Yes. To, like, probably the defensive tackle combo in the league. Correct. The Bears were able to pull off an incredible feed by keeping them from getting to field so quickly. There were plays where Fields would have four or five seconds in the pocket, which I don't think he's seen his entire career. Well, not even that. Fields had a lot not- of... Fields had a lot of time, but there was a statistic thrown up on, um, on the screen earlier that every he went 0-4 for time in the pocket after four seconds. He's been getting way better at using his time effectively and going through his reads, and obviously we saw that he had another explosive game tonight, and we'll touch on that in a minute. Yeah, not, yeah, not only that, Sam. I saw the same thing you were talking about there. But Justin Fields threw for 200-something yards when he had less than four seconds to throw. And like you said, 0 for 4 with more than four seconds to throw in the pocket. Maybe is he getting more comfortable throwing early? Or is this maybe when he's sitting in the pocket when nothing's open? We don't know. But Fields did look quite impressive tonight. And over these past two games, he's shown a lot of potential. And he's been a lot better over these past two games than he had been the entire season. Not, not to mention Lucas Patrick also left the game with a concussion uh, under concussion protocol. So Cody White Air was moved back to his normal position at center, and then we did have the season debut of Tevin Jenkins. So is it fair to say that the Bears won because Tevin Jenkins is the best right is the best right guard in the league? I guess. I mean, maybe it is, but it was also just cool to see Fields like go through his reads. It's I don't think we've seen a game like this before where he was able to go through each read and just make a quick throw. It was impressive. He he was okay with taking these like eight yard throws. Then he also, I think the first two play of the games were probably thirty plus air yards on both throw, the uh, third and second and third down maybe. The first couple plays were both deep shots, which is really impressive to see Luke Getzey have the confidence in Fields to go do that. Yeah, not only that, but Fields has looked electric over these past two weeks. We talked about this on the show earlier today, with the exception of that strip six and that interception. Fields was nearly flawless against Denver. Even though they couldn't pull out the win, that way he played that game kind of translated over to today. It was really impressive to see. I kind of thought it was going to be a situation where it might have just been a one-game thing. He played really well and maybe fall back down to earth a little bit. He he played well today. I'm going to give it to him. Let me rephrase it for you. Justin Fields looks flawless in the first half of both games. In the second half, half of both games, he looks like the Justin Fields we know and love. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on that because that 50-yard touch onto Moore to basically ice the game was amazing. That was not Justin Fields. I'm sorry. It wasn't Justin Fields, but he played way better this half, this second half compared to the Broncos game. And well, yeah, we're talking a lot about Justin Fields right now. Let's bring up DJ Moore. Number one cannot do it without number two. DJ Moore, eight receptions for 230 yards and three receiving touchdowns. That is a career-high game. At all for DJ Moore. That is number two in the Bears franchise. Um, besides Alshon Jeffrey, who got, I think, uh, 247 yards. 
crazy game from DJ Moore tonight. I really think we've seen his colors flash the past few games with this offense really opening up and coming into their strain. I'll tell you who the happiest man in the world is that DJ Moore is doing good, and that's Ryan Pauls because that makes him look a lot better after knowing he screwed up on one wide receiver trade, and, and now it looks like he did not screw up on two. Yeah, DJ Moore has really elevated his play over these past two weeks. He started off really hot in that Tampa game, cooled down, but these last two weeks, he's looked like that number one receiver you trade away the number one draft pick for. He's looked like that guy so far for the Bears, and it's going to be impressive to see what he's doing. Well, I actually, we were talking about this, the receiver earlier, and Shiesty's like to me, well, when was the last time the Bears had to do number one? I mean, it's probably not since Allen Robinson. Uh, when was his best season? Maybe 2020? First year he got to the Huh? No, I mean, it's like he had like a good season with the Bears. Like it ha- it's, it, it, it's been a couple of years since the Bears have had a, a good receiver one. The one thing that DJ Moore brings to the table, which Al Robin really didn't bring, is he broke tackles. I don't know how many broke tackles DJ Moore had today, but it was ridiculous. He was 10 maybe? 5 yards after. 95 yards after catch. Really, yeah, that's insane. I, I, don't, I don't think I've heard of a receiver having that many in a long time. The way that he's able, like, stiff arms. I know the commanders aren't great tackling, but he was taking advantage of the fact that they couldn't. Like, you, you hear, like, 70-yard or 50-yard touchdown or whatever. You go, know, it was, like, a 50-yard bomb. No, it was a 12-yard uh, throw, and G.J. Moore broke three tackles on the way to the end zone, which is crazy. I think you do have to consider in this sense that D.J. Moore and Allen Robinson are very different wide receivers in that spot. Yes, D.J. Moore can go up and get you a ball. He proved that in this game. Twice on two of his three touchdowns, he really went up and got the ball. But DJ Moore is also a type of guy who, if he gets an open space, it can be dangerous. He showed that, like play one of the preseason. I understand it's preseason. I will never look to preseason for anything. But what you saw there is what DJ Moore can really be. You saw that he is this playmaker prototype. He showed it, snap one practically with the Bears, and it's starting to show now that he's He's a guy that you can really do anything with, whereas Allen Robinson, not to discredit what he's done or what he's like, who he is as an NFL wide receiver, but they just play different styles. Allen Robinson's not the type to really get you in open space, make guys miss. That's just not his game. That's something DJ Moore has that he doesn't. So I think it's an improvement in that sense, but DJ Moore has been, once again, really fun to watch. I feel like I'm repeating myself. Herbert, you are a team that relies so much on the run. Having Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson, Travis Homer, and then Deontay Foreman was out already. Having all three of them go down is really bad, but they were able... Well, yeah, because Homer had that hamstring injury, Roshan's in concussion protocols, um, Khalil Herbert got the ankle injury, and then Deontay Foreman was inactive. So uh, I don't even know who do we say their fifth uh, running back is. I don't even know his name. The, the it's number 35. The fullback. That's all I can tell you. It's 35. Me? Um, so does it K. I think the give props to the Bears. Uh, I gotta get a name for you here. They were able to play the fourth quarter really well. I was watching. We all were. And that third quarter started to scare me because it flashbacks from last week with the Broncos game that they were up 21 and then they lost the game. So we not having your, th- not even your starting running back, like your three for four starting top running backs of the depth chart not playing in the game and having to resort to your fullback, being able to 
I know they didn't have the best fourth quarter, but they were able to play it well. And I think that it really sealed, sealed, sealed the deal with that DJ Moore touchdown on third and fifth. Well, I I think what needs to be pointed out here is that Justin Fields, he only had uh, 15 completed passes, and that was distributed amongst only three people. DJ Moore, eight receptions, Cole Komet, five, and Robert Tunyon, two. So not, not, not very sp- spread out of the ball, but doing what he needs to do. Darnold only had a few targets his way, but we, we saw three or four. Yeah, Equinemius had one, Herbert had three, and Mooney had four, but none of those guys were able to catch. One thing that I noticed was that the Bears excel off these scripted plays. So in the NFL, the first drive or two kind of depends on the team. All the plays are generally pre-called. Obviously, there's like a 4-1 or a third and two that plays going to be different. But the first couple plays are generally pre-designed. And the Bears excelled in that. You saw Fields taking shots. And then after that happened, you saw kind of a turn of the game where instead of Fields taking shots or big passing plays and stuff, or more to individual players and like drives. It was just cool to see how the Bears can score big plays, like a 50-yard air passing touchdown to uh, Moore. Or they can have they can play the small game where they have a 15-play, uh, 12-minute drive where they score for touchdown. And that's great to see on an offense knowing that you can play multiple different styles. Yeah, and you said it really. First drive is going to be scripted. If you can go out and score a touchdown on that first drive and get a stop, you're in control. You are in control of that game, and the Bears were in control of that Denver game. This previous Sunday as well for the first 45 minutes of the game. Yes, it got out of hand because Denver went down and scored. A punt went to another score. And then the fumble, we know how it went down. But when you're in control of a game, the Bears showed it today. It can be a really scary thing. And the Lions did that last Thursday night also. Despite the first interception, they took control of the game. And it's hard to come back from that. Um, One other thing was that the Bears didn't defer when they won the kickoff. The Bears elected to receive the kick. Which is interesting. Yeah, We've yeah, got to... The reason is they have zero confidence in their defense. That is why. Well, it may be that. However, it also shows that Getty's not ready to go send Fields out there right away. Fields doesn't need time. He goes out there, go see what they can do. No point in wasting any time. Yeah, and I think that can also be the taking control aspect. When you when you start pretty much up seven points, you can get a stop. You might be able to play in control. I know, obviously, this is the NFL, and... Things happen, but if you can really get yourself in control, and that's what Eberflus and the rest of the coaching staff must have came upon, that getting themselves a lead out early and coming out to stop that again is the best thing. And it's it's shown this week, and they, they really had that Broncos game. They let it slip away. They outplayed the Broncos, I'd say, for a majority of that game. Um, yeah. The Bergen have an issue. Sam, um, I just wanted to highlight real fast. DJ Moore, I know he's technically a week ahead of some of these players, but he is now number two in the NFL with receiving yards. Only 10 yards, 12 yards behind Justin Jefferson. And guess what? He's number one in receiving touchdowns now. But, well, he had played one right team. Though. He is one. Played, but I'm saying the pace he's on in the past few games, we could see him elevate to another level, like some of his prime, prime Carolina days. After the end of the week, he's not going to be below top 10 in receiving. He's still going to be talking about the end of the week, I presume. Yep. He's 14 right now. I, I personally think I think we're overreacting here. So, must who is I mean, he had 200 yards in the game, Jordan. Was the last time a Bears game? Who do they play next week? Vikings. Uh, Vikings, okay. Bears fans are going to get Oh, I'll be there. 
Oh yeah, me too. I want to shift gears on one thing. Coming into today, there was a lot of talk in the media that, oh, what if the Bears lose this game? What does that mean for Eberflus and his job? What do we think now? Nothing's changed. I don't. I don't think Eberflus was ever going to lose his job, even if he lost tonight. Uh, I don't know about that one. I I, I couldn't see it. I couldn't. I agree with you, Sam. Not only that, but there'd be no reason to. It's There'd be no years, reason. It's been, yeah, it's been one season in four weeks. Uh, yeah, and he's won, like, three games. He was also on a rebuild. It's not like you were expecting a Super Bowl-caliber team. Uh, the they, they have just stepped a 14-game losing streak. That's, that's pretty yeah. bad. And it's the worst losing streak in Barry's history. But they've also had to move all these. They've, they've completely refreshed the whole team, right? Yeah, and they've improved. And yes. clearly, he can't win. I think not only that, but it's important to mention that Eberflus is your defensive coordinator right now. I don't think there was ever any world where the Bears could have, should have, or would have fired him, even if they had lost tonight. But I'm interested to see what the media is going to say now, because there was talk, oh, what if they lose it? Like I said earlier, what's, what's it going to be this week? Is it going to be a, oh, if they don't beat Minnesota, then we're back in the same cycle? What's it going to be? I I don't think any, I don't think much has changed. I, I, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I it's still the same team. Every team is going to have a good winning week, but this they they need a change. They need a change in the guards. I'm sorry. I'm kind of worried that they won because Everflows is going to stay around longer now. I know, Aaron, you said on the show, that you don't think you should get fired after this game no matter what. Here's the thing. It, I think it's clear to most Bears fans that Everflus isn't going to be the long-term coach. He will not have a job by the end of the season. Right. So, yeah, I agree with that. So, here's my question then, Aaron. You you said you don't think you should get fired. What is the point of having him stick around? Why not see if a different coordinator is able to do something? Well, obviously not Alan Williams. Why not see if a different coordinator is able to to uh, say or have something that says maybe we can hire from inside. What's the downside of that? Here's the uh, thing. I don't have the stats. I don't have the stats to back this one up, so I'm kind of just talking here. But I feel like when we see all these interim head coaches, they typically do not take over the head coach's role. If if you I, – I this is kind of what I think, and this is just generally what I feel like I've seen, but they don't typically take over the role, even if they've been – like successful or they've shown signs of success teams will hire outside to maybe look to change the culture and I don't understand what firing Eberflus at this point in the season as he's acting as your defensive coordinator would do it makes absolutely no sense and whether he's going to be here in March of next year that's something that right now for this Bears team should not be a conversation that we're having in October 5th when their main goal is to go out there. All right, and anyway, that, that is all the time we have well, on this How about a, newer segment a of Five player O'Clock player Playbook. Guy, we called the Bobby Five O'Clock Review. I'm not really sure. That's, right that's all the time we have right, on this so. segment for co-hosts. I, I don't know who started with Spalt, Jordan Gelfeld, Sam oh, Salter, I'm Aaron Marks. Thank you guys for listening. Yeah, you got fired. Do you think the Bears are going to sell at the trade? They love us. Really, Sam? You get to say payload dust? What do you have to I say? Don't know. Yeah, oh, Jalen Johnson? Nope. Too young. I don't think we'll do that. All right. Well, I'm saying he is sell, though. 
Sure. Is this old? Maybe. I, I think it depends on what well, I, I think this situation. Mooney could be sellable. Here, here's what I'm really going to say. If the Bears are extraordinarily underperforming, they are still, what, let's say one and seven come the trade deadline, week eight. They're two and six or whatever. Then I think it's clear that this team would think about rebuilding. I think they'll think about selling and they'll trade possibly DJ Moore. They'll look to trade Yannick and Gok, who's on a one-year contract. Hey, Jackson, I probably got one or two years left. And then maybe think about trading those guys you just signed, like um, Tremaine Edmonds or TJ Edwards. Look to see what you got in Nate. Maybe if you want to get rid of Nate Davis, probably not, because if you're going to draft, if you want to draft Caleb Williams, then you probably don't want to dismantle that offensive line. But see what you can get. Maybe, maybe I don't know, you want to get rid of Robert Tunyon. Just see what you can get. I mean, if, if they're... I'm if sorry, they're sorry. that. I, I just must agree with you completely. This isn't a worst-case scenario, though. So. I know it's a worst-case scenario, but this would only happen... I I could only see this happening if they they're not going to have the head coach you want by trade deadline. Let's say they, hire, they fire Iberflus. You're going to wait until this new head coach, let's say Ben Johnson, for example, comes in and makes his choices of what he wants to do with this team. You don't just start selling everyone because of that. Fields has looked extraordinary in the last two games. He has looked crazy good. I know we're saying worst case scenario, but Caleb Williams said we're not playing for the Bears. So, well, first off, Fields has played against two very poor defenses: the Broncos defense and the Commanders defense has looked. No, not good at all. I mean, yes, I get that. You're going to argue they have De'Aaron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Chase Young, and Montez Sweat, but that secondary is horrible. I'm sorry. It's very bad, and you, you look at what Justin Fields has done the second half. That shows you he can't keep up with his first-half performance. If you can only play in the first half and you can't play in the second half, I'm sorry, but you're screwed. You're not going to have the head coach you want by trade deadline. Let's say they, hire, they fire Iberflus. You're going to wait until this new head coach, let's say Ben Johnson, for example, comes in and makes his choices of what he wants to do with this team. You don't just start selling everyone because of that. Fields has looked extraordinary in the last two games. He has looked crazy good. I know we're saying worst case scenario, but Caleb Williams said he would not play for the Bears. So well, first off, Fields has played against two very poor defenses. The Broncos defense are thing and the Commanders defense has looked n- not good at all. I mean, yes, I get that. You're gonna argue they have De'Aaron Payne, Jonathan, Allen, Chase Young, and Montez Sweat, but that secondary is horrible. I'm sorry. It's very bad. And you, you look at what Justin Fields has done in the second half. That shows you he can't keep up with his first half performance. If you can only play in the first half and you can't play in the second half, I'm sorry, but you're screwed. Let's name it. Let's do a fun game. Name one player in the uh, commander secondary. Kendall Fuller. Name a second Cameron one. Fuller. Okay. Well, I thought you were going to name Kendall Fuller. Didn't work as well as I thought it would. Yeah. Well, I. All right. And with that, that is all the time we have on this newer segment of the five o'clock playbook we called this the five o'clock review i'm not really sure but that's that's all the time we have on this segment for co-hosts joseph schwartzwald jordan gelfeld sam salzer i'm aaron marks thank you guys for listening adios
Pelotas. Really, Sam? You get to say Pelotas? Adios, Pelotas.